pull over, lean in. It's time for the Soft Shoulder Podcast. I am your host, Danette Relic of Radical Creative Sanctuary, inviting spaciousness for your mind and your heart. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. The Soft Shoulder is your time, your time to slow down and fuel up on self-love support so you can make the most of your gorgeous life. Join me here. Everyone needs a soft shoulder. Oh, hi. Hi, dear listener. What would you say if I told you I've been thinking about you a lot lately and specifically... I've been imagining horrible things about you and about your capacity and about your potential. What if I told you that I was imagining all of the horrible things that could happen to you? Stay with me. All of the horrible things that could happen to you. And that I was like, oh my God, my listener, they're probably having a terrible day. They probably have no coping skills. Uh, I better record this podcast because without it, they have nothing. <laughs> they they won't be able to love themselves without the soft shoulder. Um, they're probably just flat. Like, I don't know. I don't even, it's hard for, I, it's hard for me to even pretend because I can't, I can't even imagine thinking about you that way. But it's, how does it feel when someone's worried about you? Right? Like, it doesn't even feel good to do it to you here as a joke, but like, it's not a great feeling, is it? So why is it that we sometimes conflate worry with care? Why is it that we worry about the people that we love, including ourselves, as a way of being like, I just want what's best for you. Like, we have lots of good reasons that we tell ourselves when we worry. And sometimes we won't even say it's worry. We'll say we're, we just care. We're just concerned. We just want what's best, you know, or we want to protect ourselves or someone else that we love, right? I worry because I care. I worry because I can't help it. I worry because I love you. I worry because I only want the best for you. I worry because I just don't want all these bad things are out there and I don't want them happening to you. So I'm worried. I am worried as a way of rehearsing the most feared outcome. In a, <laughs> This is what's more honest, right? I'm worrying to rehearse my most feared outcomes so that I can have the illusion of control. That's what's probably going on a lot of the time, right? Because uh, Brene Brown describes, I was looking this up in her book, Atlas of the Heart, to see what she had to say about it, even if the word worry was there, I couldn't remember. And it's not written about extensively because it's not an emotion. In her book, it's an atlas of our emotions as human beings. But worry, she describes as the thinking process of anxiety. So it's not an emotion in itself, Anxiety is the emotion. Worry is like a function of it, right? And she describes worry as a chain, like imagining a chain of worse and worse thoughts. So why would we do this to our loved ones? Why would we tell them, hey, I've been, it's basically the same thing as fantasizing about somebody, which also 
has its moments like you know just tell everyone it's not positive to just tell everybody hey I was thinking about you last night like boundaries but it's the same thing it's you're fantasizing about somebody and when you fantasize about them like romantically it might be like oh I pictured us finally confessing that our friendship has like bloomed into something more oh I was fantasizing that on this trip that we're taking for business that we like hook up in the hotel room like I was imagining like telling you that I love you and you saying oh my god I've been hoping that you would say that like that it's fantasy in the positive worry is fantasy in the negative I was imagining that you tried your best and failed I was imagining that you got you know hit by a car on the way to your dream job I was imagining that like it's it's I don't even like saying it it's awful (laughs) it's not a loving thing right worry is not a love language worry is a thinking function of anxiety and so If you are relating, and by the way, I also am relating to my own content, (laughs) but if you are relating, I want to remind you that anxiety is in the atlas of the heart. It is in all of us. This is something we all experience. I'm not talking about like clinical anxiety or like, you know, not everyone's experiencing that if that's something that you're experiencing. But, you know, on the spectrum of feeling, This is something that's human. And so there's nothing wrong with you for worrying because you feel anxiety, even if you don't realize that's what's happening. You know, it's a human thing. It's okay. (laughs) You'll probably do it again. And so will I. But this is just a great reminder when you notice it to also bring, I find bringing humor. And uh, I really enjoyed reading the book this year, uh, Existential Kink. Uh, and I did not write down the author's name, but um, it's sort of like, you know, looking at our, let's say, shadowy things, like the things that we typically uh, don't want to accept about ourselves um, emotionally, experiences or character traits that we would, you know, in the self-help world, we would want to work on. Um, This author, and I will will include it in the show notes, She writes so great about just this, like, what if we treated that the same way that we treat kinks, if we are in the context of a sex positive, kink positive umbrella, right? Like, what if we embraced it, celebrated it, even, she suggests, got off on it. It's very, if you're remotely interested in that, I suggest looking it up. It's a fun play on all of this stuff, right? On accepting all of our parts, I uh, wrote a newsletter, by the way, if you're not on my list, you would really like to be, it's RadicalCreativeSanctuary.com. There's a little envelope on the homepage down at the bottom. It says get mail. You can click there, get onto the mailing list or go right to contact RadicalCreativeSanctuary slash contact, um, well, dot com slash contact. (laughs) Get on my mailing list because um, the birthday letter workshop is coming up soon, February 2nd. And um, that's the only way to get the link is through being on my newsletter list. So in the newsletter I sent out yesterday, it was about wholeness, about witnessing our whole selves. I wrote about this in the newsletter in the context of writing birthday letters to ourselves every year and how, you know, I'm inviting people, including you. Yes, please go and sign up. It'd be so great to have podcast listeners there in the workshop. 
If you're just starting, I want to guide you through the process because I know it's a really easy thing to put off getting it activated, getting it started, getting this practice going. And and I know how great it is to be guided through something like that, especially if it's your first time. I've been writing these letters for over 22 years, I think 23 years. And, um, you know, so I was, the newsletter was about like, well, what if this year in particular has been kind of trash (laughs) and you're going through some shit right now and you're just like, this doesn't feel like the time I want to start this. You know, I'll, I'll wait till things are whatever, better or settled. All of the finger quotes come in here, right? Um, and what I was writing about was how important it is Um, And what this practice, this letter writing practice does is to witness yourself, your whole self. That's all the good years and the bad. That's all of the hard times, the joy, the pain, the happiness, the rain. (laughs) um, You know, it's, it's the anxiety and the freedom, right? It's all of the emotions, all of your spectrum. And if we're waiting and waiting and only meeting ourselves, only witnessing ourselves when we can approve of ourselves in some way, notice that is where your conditional self-love is. That is where you have secret conditions or not so secret conditions that you hold yourself to, right? That you withhold love unless you're behaving in a certain way. And again, totally normal that you have that. We all have that in some way. We grow up. And we learn these things from our families, our, you know, our humanity, certainly society, culture, all that stuff, right? We come by it honestly. So this is the work of like witnessing and allowing and welcoming the whole spectrum of it. Okay, so point one, get on my mailing list if you're not already there. The workshop is Thursday, August, no, August. Wishful thinking, there's snow on the ground. Okay, February 2nd, it's on Groundhog Day. It's going to be a lovely, lovely time. RadicalCreativeSanctuary.com slash contact. Get on my mailing list. You will get a notification to sign up. Um, And number two is, if you do worry about yourself and others, and you you have thought this whole time that you were being so caring, and if you have anxiety and you hate that you have anxiety, this is all welcome here. This is all lovable here. Of course you have anxiety. Of course you worry. You're a human being living in this world in 2023. It would be weird if you didn't, right? So the reason, you know, why we want to bring love in, why we want to embrace this kink of anxiety, why we want to uh, welcome all of the spectrum of who you are and even have love languages and even think about making improvements at the same time sounds like a contradiction, But it's not about like separating the anxiety from us or separating the conditions, the bad things, the good things and having a binary thing. It's welcoming all of it and tending to the garden. You know, it's like, yes, we have bugs in the garden and they have a purpose. Yes, we have weeds in the garden and they have a purpose. That doesn't mean we don't ever weed. (laughs) Doesn't mean we don't ever, you know, plant something else to like make the bugs go somewhere else or do something to create a balance to make this love and this life more enjoyable, right? That's really what this work, um, I think that's like a, like a, a real world look at what that looks like in life, right? It's not about some kind of perfection. It's about keeping a balance, keeping things flourishing, keeping things growing, allowing your roots all that they need 
to get all of the nourishment they need, allowing everything to like maximize the light and the shade, all of it together so that things can grow and be lovely, right? That's why we show our love through the love languages. Um, Gary, <laughs> shoot, <laughs> again, I'll throw that in the show notes. His name is Gary, the guy who wrote the five love languages. The five love languages are, you know, it's one person's idea. I know you're probably familiar with it. Um, I feel like I'm like multilingual in my <laughs> love languages. I do not commit to having one. And um, it's fun to apply them to yourself, self-love languages, and to explore just because there's a book on this topic. It doesn't mean that there's only five. You get to also explore and name other things. Um, it's an interesting thing to explore, right? Just the more information we have, just like Atlas of the Heart, it's having the vocabulary so that we can do all these things, right? So we can relate to one another, so that we can understand and connect with one another, so we can understand and connect to ourselves. So, so you're a worrier. <laughs> it's not, it's not really great, right? Like when when you're fantasizing the worst case scenario about yourself or about others, you know, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good for you. It might give you that illusion of control in the moment, but you know, you're never, you can imagine, and I'm sure if you've been through, and I know I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but there's no amount of worry that can prepare you for the horrible things you're thinking about. There's no amount of like losing a loved one. You can worry about it for years if you want. It's not going to change the pain of the moment. You don't know what that moment's going to feel like until you're there. And while you're worrying for 10 years prior, you're missing out on actually being present and creating joyful memories, just being present. Because if you're worrying, your mind is, it's off, it's somewhere else, right? You're missing out. You're, you're leaving the person that you love to worry and rehearse their loss, right? This is such a weird um, kind of bittersweet tangle, isn't it? Um, that we do this as humans, but we do, right? And like, so it's not only that it doesn't help that person, it doesn't help you. Imagine like the tenure, what that does to your heart, what that does to your, you know, nervous system. Worry is not a state that you want your body to be in for a very long time. And the worst case scenarios don't always happen. I don't know if you've noticed this. They don't always happen. So another thing I know I've mentioned many times is my favorite fortune cookie of all time that I received years ago. And it's so funny, it's my favorite, but I always forget <laughs> how it starts. It's either fear or worry. I feel like it applies to both. But in this case, let's say worry. Worrying is paying interest on a debt you may not owe. It doesn't say that you don't owe it. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But horrible things happen all the time. You know this. I'm sure you're telling me. <laughs> but Danette, these bad things can happen. Yeah, they can. But it's not a guarantee. You might not have them happen. So it's like paying interest, spending time, spending the precious non-renewable resource of time in your life and you might, this might never happen, right? Imagine getting to the end of your life. Say you live like 92 years, okay? And you spent, I don't know, 20 years with your mind on a loop, <laughs> imagining 
quicksand and how it's going to kill you. <laughs> and then you get to 92 and, you know, you, I don't know, like <laughs> you get stung by a new insect and you find out you're allergic and okay, you know, like <laughs> it's time to go. And it's like all this time I spent 20, I could have been living those 20 years instead of thinking about quicksand, which never even happened. Like that was such a waste of time. That would be like spending a whole lot of money paying interest and then being like, I didn't even owe that debt. I didn't, you know? And what do you really want? Do you really want to get there and be like, I was right? Like if, <laughs> if you're worrying just on that one chance that you could be right, what, isn't this something you'd rather be wrong about? I would rather be wrong. I would really rather have all of my worst case scenarios not happen and then feel like a fool for all the worrying I did. Because why would I want those things to happen? I don't. I don't. Um, be right about something else. Um, so one of the most powerful things, loving things, not everybody receives it this way. I don't use this sentence often, but I said it recently on a coaching call. And... I really meant it. I don't say it unless I really mean it in that moment. <laughs> By the way, anyone else who knows me, just because I am not, haven't said it to you, doesn't mean I'm secretly worrying about you. But my the phrase is, I'm not worried about you. And why I feel like that's important to say, and I don't overuse it, is because when there's times when we're lost, there's times where we can't see ourselves. When everything especially is falling apart, I'm talking about moments often in my world and in the world of my clients and friends, this is often around a relationship crisis or breakdown, right? It's like about some kind of affair, betrayal, uh, whether it's friendship, romantic family, something that is a core relationship where the breaking of that relationship impacts everything, your housing, your finances, your kids, your social circle, your community. It's big, right? Never mind the, your self-esteem and, and your hopes and dreams and all of that stuff, but all of the support structures too. These are really hard things to go through. If you are going through it, I am just like, my hand's on my heart. I'm not worried about you. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Um, but like, I get it. I get the shitstorm you're in right now. I've been through those shitstorms. And um, if you've been through it also in the past, you you remember, you remember what that's like to not know who you can talk to also in those times, right? When everyone's tight knit, especially within a family, right? Um, so a friend of mine was reminding me, a friend of mine had this experience and um, we were reminiscing because now things are really fucking awesome actually for this person um but it didn't happen overnight you know it was a process part of the process was even preparing for it for like deciding is that where I'm headed deciding is this the decision I'm going to make preparing mentally and emotionally and like financially getting things in order um we all you know sometimes it happens like this I know it's happened like that for me right um Having an epiphany, but then not quite accepting it yet, and maybe taking another year or two to sit with that feeling of like, I know that this isn't right. You know, it starts early sometimes, you know. You probably know this if you've like had a big breakup or divorce when someone asked like, when did you know? And then you start tracing back. <laughs> and it's a lot further than you think, right? 
Anyways, so now um, I was speaking with a friend. Things are going great. And she reminded me of one of the things that was really helpful for her during that time. And that was that I said I wasn't worried about her. I was actually kind of excited, which, you know, I wasn't going to gaslight the the whole whole experience. That's also not helpful, right? I'll talk more about that in a second. But it was like, what I was saying was, I can see how this movie of her life is playing out. I can see what's going on here. This is the moment, the drama, but this is not the whole story. This is setting up for a whole other scene. This is setting up for a whole other direction. I could see it. And I also knew this person and I knew that she had everything she needed. She had more than what she needed to rock this and come through it. And did it suck? Yes. But did she have everything she needed? Yes. You know, I wasn't concerned about that. And that's the thing. When you're in one of these moments, you can't see that. I can't see that for myself all the time. That's why it's so nice to have a friend. And also, this is what coaches do, right? Coaches don't do the work for you, but we hold the vision. You share with us the vision, your hopes, your dreams, the bigness, and we hold that there so that there's moments that you're not steady. We can't do the work for you. I can't make your dreams happen for you. I'm not a fairy godmother, but I can hold the map. I can save it on the days where you're like, fuck that map. I don't even know what I was thinking. And you want to burn it and like roll it up into little pieces. I've got it. I've got a copy. That's what a coach does. You know, I've got this vision and I'm holding it. And I know that you don't have the capacity right now to see it. And you don't have to. You don't have to. Because you know what? These shitstorms of the breakups, the divorces, they're absolutely brutal. You like, it's brutal, right? And so like, there's times where you're just getting through the day. You don't, you don't, it's not time to dream yet, right? It's time to feel and be present with what's happening in that moment, taking a lot of steps to like get things in order or whatever it is that you're doing, right? So it was great. It was really nice to, to have that feedback also. Um, I know that you're listening, friend. <laughs> and um, it's such a beautiful thing to do, right? This is such a loving thing. Like, I love this person. And it's such a loving thing to honestly say to someone, I'm not worried about you. I have confidence in you. That's what that's saying. It doesn't mean I don't care. So notice if you go, Danette's oh, saying she doesn't worry about her friends. We're going through a crisis. Like, no, but it doesn't mean that I don't care because worrying isn't care. It is a thought process of anxiety. It is a series of negative fantasies. So no, I'm not worrying. In fact, if that's true, actually, now that I'm speaking this out loud, I don't, there's very few people I worry about. Why? Why? (laughs) Probably just myself. And that's my own work to do, right? Like we all forget sometimes, you know? So now I want to talk a little bit about the gaslighting aspect, because what I'm, what I'm, what I don't want is for you to listen to this podcast and then go, oh, and then like run to your friend who's right in the middle of like the worst day of their life. And you're like, I'm not worried. Everything's going to be great. Cause that's not always, um, supportive. Right. Um, so acknowledging, like acknowledging the shit storm is important, right? I under like, I see that you are so scared right now. I know that it won't be easy. I mean, with with my friend, with my clients, with myself, none of this was easy. Like, <laughs> you know, right? If you're listening, you know, right? 
just because you like one day it might all work out that doesn't help you in the moment when like the shit's hitting the fan right it's like it doesn't it's hard it is hard work it is work you did not plan it is work you did not uh, time block in your calendar you didn't make space for it you didn't train for it I mean even me and like if you are in a helping profession a healing profession like even people who are doing this you know arguably a lot more than other people might be because it's your job <laughs> you have access to a lot of information support processes you know all that stuff it doesn't make you immune to it because you're human I'm human right of course so make sure that you acknowledge that what's happening like what's present and what's happening right so if the anxiety is showing up right it's like oh yeah I know this is really hard. I know that things feel really shaky. I understand why. You know, everything's crumpling. Things are all really like out of balance right now. This is hard. I don't know how you're going to get through this. But I'm confident that you will. And I will be here. You feel the difference in that, right? Because like if you're going through some hard times... I don't want to hear, I don't want people around me who are like, oh my God, what are you going to do? Are you going to lose everything? Are you going to have to like sell everything and like live in a tent? Like, no, I don't want those people around me. (laughs) Why, why would I want that around me? It does not feel good. It doesn't feel good for anyone. So it's not just about other people. Although this is just a great reminder for yourself. Notice when others are doing it. You can also say, hey, you know what? I I understand that you're worried, but your worry doesn't help me. You can have a boundary of like, I'm not going to listen to your worried thoughts about my life right now because I'm worrying plenty. Like, I don't need your worry. I need your support. You can use this as a, as a, a spark if there's a boundary you need to draw a request you need to make of a friend or a loved one also bring some self-awareness to where you might be verbally worrying about people in your life and think oh what could i how could i fantasize instead or just be present with them instead of fantasizing about the worst case scenarios and because it's me and because this is the soft shoulder and it's all about self-love here i also want you to think about yourself and how you might be worrying, aka fantasizing worst case scenarios, about yourself. Probably so quietly and daily that you might not even notice it, right? It's really easy to do. And I'm speaking from experience, right? But it's like, so there was, um, I, I feel like I've also mentioned this before, it was, a, it was a talk show I watched. There was a couple who'd been married a long time. They were asked the secret to their marriage. And they said, well, we never fell out of love at the same time. And it was like, oh, like that was so honest. I, I Obviously, it really struck a chord with me. And it was like, okay, so people fall in and out of love hard things happen just because this couple is like with their white hair and they're holding hands and they're in some talk show audience on a holiday that doesn't mean that they've never fallen out of love with one another that doesn't mean that they've ever had doubts but they didn't do it at the same time and so they held hands someone was holding on and they came back they presumably now I'm of course making up things about this couple I don't know remembered why they got married in the first place 
decided to see themselves, see the other person again, decided to return. Maybe marriage is always returning to the love. And when you fall out, you return. You choose. Love is a verb. You can choose to return to it. You can choose to look through the eyes of love and act from your heart, right? So how do you do this for yourself, right? I wondered about this. It's like, you know, because it's like I have friends do that. You know, in fact, just this past weekend, I lost sight (laughs) of how awesome I was. And I knew that that's what was happening. I was able to name it. I'm like, oh, I'm losing sight. Like I'm falling out of love with myself. And so I got the help of a friend and I'm like, can you basically, can you remind me of who I am? Remind me of how awesome I am because I'm not there. You can ask this of other people, but sometimes you might not have someone that you feel trusted with. You can obviously do this with me as your coach. I'm great at it. Um, And you can also do it with yourself. I wonder sometimes self-marriage, I'm always like defining it, redefining it. What is it? It's so many things. And in this context, it might be the lifelong practice of remembering who you really are. Maybe self-marriage is the lifelong practice of remembering who you really are. Now, why would you need a practice for a lifetime to remember who you really are? Because we forget. And when we get rattled by life and by pain and by loss because we are human, we lose sight. When part of our dream map gets torn off and blown away by the winds of change, we might forget who we are, what we wanted. You know, it's not the circumstances that dictate who you are. It's how you respond to them. The story that you write with what you have. This is you co-creating with life. And so this is why actually the birthday letter practice is so wonderful right? It's because you're showing up once a year and you are documenting who you are. You are telling the story of who you are. You are, even if it's not like, it's just little things like how you spend your day and what things you notice. Like it doesn't have to be um, a whole bunch of gold stars, right? It's not about your accomplishments, but who are you? What do you notice? What do you think about? What do you dream of? How good of a friend are you? How good of a person are you? How kind are you? How vulnerable can you be? How strong have you been? What have you survived? How have you surprised yourself? What have you embraced? What quote unquote flaws have you now embraced that you used to fight against so much? There's so many wonderful things about you. Writing them down is a great way to write any of these snapshots from yourself and from others. Because if you don't have a call with your coach that day, if you don't have anyone that you, you know, feel trusted in calling to request (laughs) that they tell you how awesome you are, you can do that to yourselves. And it doesn't have to be at the birthday letter workshop. It doesn't have to be that specific practice. But you could just write it in a journal. You could write it in a notebook. You could send a recording to yourself. You can just show up and look in the mirror and look at your face, look into your eyes, and you can acknowledge, do that thing that I was suggesting you could do for a friend going through some stuff. I know you're scared. I don't know how you're going to get through this, but I'm not worrying about you. 
That's it. I'm not worrying about you. I refuse to worry about you. I'm not going to fantasize worst case scenarios about you. What an incredible self-love choice to make. Imagine if that was the one thing you chose to change. Imagine if you decided to do the art of self-marriage with me. And that was your one intention. That was the purpose of the marriage. It starts with something. I want to stop worrying about myself. Imagine how your life would change if you stopped worrying about yourself. And of course, you're going to, (laughs) right? But what I mean is if you remembered quicker, if you noticed when it was happening and embraced it like the kinkster that you are, and then just let it go. What would happen if you instead shifted like, well, while I'm fantasizing about things that haven't happened, why don't I fantasize about things that feel good? The worst case scenario is like, (laughs) is there a worst case scenario? (laughs) Because it's like, I was going to say like, if if someone speaks grandly about their future in this fantasy imaginative way, people might describe that person as what? curious about the word you're thinking, I'm thinking delusional, right? This is what we say about people with these big ideas. But it's just as delusional to be fantasizing about the worst case scenario. But we don't say that. We call those people realistic. This is wrong. (laughs) This is the soapbox. This is what I'm taking a stand for today. It is just as delusional to think that all the worst things in the world are going to happen to you. No, (laughs) it's not going to happen. Don't pay debt on, sorry, don't pay interest on a debt you might not owe. When you are worrying, that is not a love language. It's not kind. It doesn't feel good. Don't do it to your loved ones. Hold back. Notice when you're doing it. And don't do it to yourself. That is the most powerful place to begin, right? Right there with you, you can do this today. Notice the silly things. Notice how far-fetched they are. You can make fun of yourself. Find some humor in it. Um, One of the lessons I got from uh, the book Existential Kink is, and I've been practicing this and it's very fun actually, is sort of turning my negative self-talk into like dirty talk. (laughs) So because sometimes when you say like, oh, I'm having a negative thought, I'm going to stop it. It's like, sometimes that's hard to do. I find that a bit like, uh, like when I'm in there, I can't like just switch gears to like, I'm lovable and I accept myself. Like it's, there's a transitional kind of period, right? So instead what I do is I just change how I'm saying it, right? And so in the book, uh, and I had the audiobook, it was so great, but she would, um, uh, basically like just take it and go with it, but like talk about the negative thoughts. So like you're, you're such a worrier. So imagine, um, I'm sure you can imagine (laughs) some like dirty talk with someone calling someone a name like you're a bad boy or a bad girl, this kind of thing, right? You know the scenario. Oh, oh, blah, blah, blah. You're so bad. But it's done in this like breathy, sexy, we're getting turned on by this whole thing. Do the same thing. Just imagine yourself doing that with worrying. Oh, look at you worrying about all of your dreams falling flat on their faces. (laughs) Oh, like it can be really funny if nothing else. (laughs) But it breaks, right? Because it breaks your mood. All of a sudden you're laughing. It's silly. It's stupid. And you are not locked into the anxiety loop because you've brought humor to it. 
on the same note, um, I was once in a relationship where we were ex- uh, exploring, I know, just total nerds. We were exploring ways to give feedback to one another that didn't start a fight. <laughs> By the way, this relationship is no longer happening. <laughs> But basically, um, and I forget where I I read, must have read it somewhere, but it was like, you can't get like angry if you're singing. And so it was like, if we had negative feedback to give the other person, we had to sing it. (laughs) It's, I'm sure you can just imagine, but it's just so stupid and so funny. And it's sort of like, um, you know, how puppets can get away with saying stuff that like people can't get away with. And there's some kind of just weird loop that like... We're able to push a boundary with with puppets, right? It's like, oh, it's not me. It's the puppet. When you're singing about something that like you really hate (laughs) in a cute like little way, it's like it really disarms everything. Sometimes sometimes what would happen is uh, let's say I was upset about something and let's take some like uh, dishes in the sink, something very mediocre. They were there. You promised to do them. They're still here. There's food caked all over everything. This is upsetting. Blah, blah, blah. And let's say I start singing a song about like, hey, he left the dishes in the sink again. It really bugs me because I told you 17 times. Like you can just start this stupid practice. And then I was laughing so hard that like it didn't matter anymore. I wasn't angry anymore. So if you feel like experimenting, I suggest turning your worry into dirty talk turn it into sexy talk (laughs) worry with like you know purr in your voice like worry like Elvira you know do something like that anyways it's not a love language that's my point and I'm sticking to it and (laughs) you whatever you're going through right now I'm not gonna fantasize about worst case scenarios I invite you to join me in not fantasizing about worst case scenarios for yourself The ultimate, you got this, and I've got you, is I'm not worried about you. Dear listener, thank you so much for being here at The Soft Shoulder, for spending this time for you, getting a little self-love pep talk. And you know this already. I know it too. You are someone worth loving. It all starts with you. Take great care of yourself. Sign up for my newsletter. Come to the birthday letter workshop on February 2nd. We will talk to you soon.